As I said, today's sermon is from Mary's perspective. It's in her voice. So listen now. The part of my story that you just heard is not the beginning. It doesn't really give you any background on who I am. It didn't even mention the Annunciation, which is a fancy word for when Gabe appeared to me in Nazareth. You may know this part. Do you remember? He appeared and he said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. The NRSV translation of your Bible said that when he said that, I was perplexed by his words. But let me tell you, perplexed doesn't really begin to describe it. I'll tell you the truth. I was terrified. I was confused. I was beside myself. And you may have suspected that because you may remember that the next thing he said was, don't be afraid. Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. Well, to that, I had a whole host of questions. The first and most obvious being, well, how can that be? Well, Gabe said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you, and therefore a child, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. As you imagine, I didn't know what to say to that, so I just listened. He went on. He said, and now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing, he said, nothing is impossible with God. And that is when I said, something I did not even know was within me. Do you know that feeling? When words come, not from like your thoughtful, reasoned mind, but from somewhere deep within. And even as you hear yourself speaking them, you're a little surprised. That's how it was when I said, well, here I am. Let it be with me according to your word. Now that part of my story is in your Bible. And if you've been hanging out at the church very long, you've probably heard a sermon or two on it. Even if you've not been hanging around the church for very long, you've just been listening to 106.3 playing your holiday favorites all day, every day. You probably know most of that part of the story. And you may have some questions. Have you heard that song on the radio? They play it way too often. You know the song? Mary, did you know? That song alone has filled up my inbox with theological inquiries. Did you know, it asked. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water, would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new, that the child you delivered will soon deliver you? Well, what do you think? Do you think that I knew? That song goes on. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod, that when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God? What I knew was what Gabe 
told me. And he said, and I quote, nothing is impossible with God. And then he told me about Elizabeth, and thanks be to God for that, because you know the text, it says, I went with haste. When you heard that, you might have imagined that I like texted her and then hopped in the car and like drove right over. It was not that way. It was over the river and through the woods. It took nine days. Rembrandt imagined that when I finally arrived, it was like this. You see the little dog there? You see Zachariah in the background? Rembrandt got part of it right, but what he didn't get was all of the shouting and all of the hugging and all of the crying. When I arrived, Elizabeth hugged me and she said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you who believed, she said. And I was so happy to hear it. I was so happy to hear those words. I was happy to hear her voice. I was so happy. I just started crying. And not like a dainty little lady like dab your eyes with the white handkerchief cry. No. Crying. Like walls come tumbling down, ugly face, naughty, crying. And Elizabeth started crying. And we cried, and we cried until we didn't, and then we were still. Like, be still and know still. And we sat there in the quiet, in the peacefulness and in the stillness of her, heart, of her house. And as we did, I prayed over her words. She had said, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you who believe. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. I so needed to be reminded that this was not an accident. It was not an illusion. It was not a freak of nature. It was a blessing from God. Blessed, she said. Blessed. And her words, they brought me a certain peace and they brought me joy. And over the years, they brought me comfort and hope too. Like after I went home and I was alone, and even though Gabe said to fear not, I was still fearful. Her words, they brought me comfort. And later when I was exhausted as a new mother, they brought me hope. And then later when I was in the midst of the deepest grief, the deepest pain a parent can know, which we won't go into today because it's Advent, not Good Friday. But even then, Elizabeth's words reminded me that my child was God's child. Blessed, she said, are you who believe. During those first three months together, Elizabeth and I, we prayed and we laughed and we sang. My singing was part of what you heard today. And just like the here I am, let it with be with me according to your word. My singing, it came from a place deep within. I said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And holy is his name. You call the whole of it the Magnificat. And when I sang it, I was what some people called a pregnant prophet. Because prophets, 
they have the gift of being able to see the world as God sees it, which is why I sang about it ahead of time in past tense, as if the promise had already come true. For three months, Elizabeth and I were there together, and we filled that house with laughter and with all the singing, and all Zachariah could do was wave and smile and nod. Because you may remember, and if you don't, you can read about it in the first chapter of Luke. As a result of his encounter with Gabe, he was mute, speechless. The good news is he wasn't angry about it. He was just very quiet and kind. In the afternoon, he would bring us tea and cakes, and he would wave and smile, which was good. And since I'm preaching, I'll just give a word to the wise, to everyone here. Whenever you see pregnant women, one, two, anyone you know, anyone you don't know, whenever you see a pregnant woman, it is always good to smile at her. Maybe even wave at her, because chances are, I'm telling you, she does not feel well at all. So smile at her, and maybe keep quiet, because quiet is good, too. Another word to the wise, since I'm the one preaching. Quit trying to clean up the pregnancy part, the birth part, the baby part of this story. That song I mentioned earlier, it ends by saying, Mary, did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb, that the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am? Well, I am about to let you in on a secret. He was not always sleeping. Jesus had a terrible case of colic. He cried every single day. And that is why that picture you saw of Joseph holding him is such a good one. Because like one of you told me recently about your babies, sometimes babies just cry and cry and cry and all you can do is make it till the husband gets home and then you hand the baby off and you go outside so you can cry in private, in the quiet. Friends, that is real. And yet, churches, churches all over the world, churches like your church, they have live nativities. And do you know what they do? They are so worried that the baby is going to cry or in any other way act like a baby that they use dolls. Some churches use a real baby, but then they stash a doll underneath the manger in case the baby starts to cry, then they can replace him, you know, like toss out the real baby, get the baby doll. Your church does not do that. And I say, well done. But if Nancy, if you ever see her start to get anxious, you know, when the baby starts to cry, don't let her switch out the baby. Don't mistake quiet for peace. Because here is what every mama knows. Babies are not quiet. And birth is not neat or even dignified. In real life, I do not wear that perfect pale blue that you always cast me in. I did not kneel 
beside a clean manger and gaze longingly upon the baby that I had just birthed. No, I was exhausted. I was exhilarated. And every parent in here knows I did not put that baby down. Not at first. You know, I counted his toes and I kissed his cheeks and I marveled at his presence. And I'm not gonna lie to you, a little bit at my own strength because giving birth, it is not what you imagine it will be. Ask around. Seriously, this Christmas, ask around. Ask your daughters and your granddaughters. Ask your friends, ask your family. Women will tell you that they had like a perfectly scripted birth plan. They will tell you how they imagined it and then they will tell you how it really happened. When you ask them, some will begin by telling you about the difficulties, about the trials of infertility. Some will tell you about childbirth classes and Lama's breathing techniques, and some will tell you about all the paperwork that accompanies adoption. Others will tell you about emergency C-sections and epidurals gone bad. I have one friend whose name is Sarah, and she gave birth to two of her three children in fairly normal sorts of ways. She labored about 13 hours with both of them. So when she felt the third one coming, she thought she had about, you know, 12, 13 hours. But the third time, things went a lot faster than anticipated. She said she had four contractions on the way down the hall and in the elevator of their apartment building. And by the time they got to the parking garage, her poor husband was half dragging, half carrying her. They were so desperate that he just leaned her up against a pole in the parking garage and he ran to get his truck. She said it was right there in a parking garage with cars and the smell of gas and the smell of tires that they realized they were on their own. No doctor, no midwife. And fortunately, her husband, he knew that it was time to do more than smile and bring little cakes. That fella knew to act like he was in control of the situation. He knew to act like he knew what he was actually doing. And so surrounded by strangers, helpful, concerned, yet strangers, she let go of her carefully typed out birth plan and her body took over and all she could do was surrender and every muscle and their whole world focused on that one moment and nothing else mattered. And a kind, brave stranger stepped forward and knelt at her feet just in case and she said there beside their old Chevy trailblazer in a parking garage, standing up with her husband's arms underneath her their son was born into her own hands. Nine pounds of shrieking humanity. They said he was welcomed by her hysterical laughter and her husband's uncontrollable tears of relief and strangers were applauding and calling the 911 dispatcher. My friend, her name is Sarah Bessie and she tells that story in her book. She said for her, birth was the moment 
when the carefully constructed line between the sacred and the secular shattered once and for all. It was like that for me, too. So often, the sacred, the holy, the God with us, blessed moments of life are our most human. That's where we come to know the deepest peace and the greatest joy. So that night, there in the stable, with the smell of straw and animals, next to a feeding trough, I realized we were on our own. No doctor, no midwife. And Joseph held me up, and my body took over, and I surrendered, and the whole world focused on that moment and nothing else mattered. And right then, right there, I heard Elizabeth's words. Blessed, she said, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you who believe. Amen.